Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Can you hear me okay? One, two, one, two. All right, all right. Hey, guys, good morning. Good to have you this morning. We were um, excited about last night for those that came, got to hear the mission, hear the work that we're doing in the church, uh, what God is doing as a community here, excited about that. And so thankful that many of you endured the rain last night to be here. Um, uh, Thank you for that. Faithful that you're just kind of battling through that. And thank you that you're here this morning. So um, a couple of things, guys. if you're new with us this morning, welcome to New Vision. We're excited to have you. Um, we always do this three-week challenge. If, if you're here, give us three weeks, uh, and we're hoping you can get plugged in. But if this is not the place for you, we'll help you find a place for you. But while you're here, we have a gift for you. So if you go over our welcome center just outside this door, if you'll see a welcome center. We got a gift for you. We want to bless you. Uh, we just want you to get a connection card. So we just get to know you, get connected to you. And so we just want to be able to have that. And so um, we can just, we're, we're a, a relationship building church and we just want to get to know you. And so we're excited about that. Hey, you know what? I know that uh, last week we prayed out Pastor Sean and he's starting a new church over there and was with him yesterday and, and talking with him about that. But I've always learned to lead with hands open. And with hands open, that happens two things. One, your hands are open to release, but your hands are open to receive. Amen. And if you lead like that, God always feels what he gives away. And I'm so honored to introduce to you a, a couple. Um, Juana Leslie, will you come forward this morning? Um, I've been uh, coaching Juana Leslie for probably six to eight months. Uh, they're from L.A. He, he has a heart to church plan. He has a heart to do a lot of things in ministry. Um, and so I've been coaching him. And Julie, come join us this morning. Come on up, guys. And in uh, and, and, and the time of building our relationships that he just felt like, Pastor, I really want to come down to San Diego, move our family down to San Diego and learn and grow. And because I have a heart to plant, I have a heart to shepherd. So him and his wife, Leslie, Sean, are going to be with us starting March 1st. They're coming, joining the New Vision family and, and helping us with the ministry, help us with the different things here and learn and grow. And so I'm excited for that. Um, God is kind of putting the pieces together with all that right now. Is, uh, and it's a big thing. I mean, you're moving, to, you're, you're in L.A. and you're moving your whole family to San Play, new city, new place, don't know a thing. So I wanted to introduce you to them as you're praying for them in this transition as they come down. And then they're going to be, you'll see their faces and serving the ministry and helping us do that. And Lord, willing where whether it's a new vision plan in San Diego where there's new vision plan in LA he has a heart to plan eventually uh, a church last night we talked about being a multiplying church and a, a planting church and and he's really has a hunger for wanting to see the kingdom expand and so he's come and wanted to say pastor I just want to serve and learn and grow so I want to pray for them I wanted to introduce them to you as we're going to be doing it. let's pray Father in the name of Jesus we thank you for this family this couple Lord as they they love you and they're honoring you, and they're, they're, they're looking at the cost, they're counting the cost of what it means to, to follow you, what it means to serve you, what it means to plant, what it means to do, and their unwillingness to learn. Father, use the word disciples. That the, Jesus had these 12 disciples. Dis- disciples are students. They're learners, and you had a teacher that taught them, and they're coming to learn and grow as a couple. And Father, they've chosen to be a part of our community and our family. And so I pray your anointing upon them. I pray your blessings. I pray your provision. Lord, I pray the transition as they hey, move down to San Diego. May your hand be upon them today. Uh, Lord, that we would receive them as a family as they're coming to really learn and grow and connect um, and so we, as a family, receive them today. 
So we thank you, we praise you, we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you, um, if you want to open up this morning, we're going to be in the Gospel of John this morning. And uh, we're going to be looking um, really um, at uh, the story. I'm going to find my notes here. I don't know what happened here. But um, really looking at um, the, the message out of John chapter 14. And we're going to be looking at that uh, this morning as we get into talking about the greatest greatest gift this morning, trusting that God is, is going to move, trusting that God is going to do a great uh, and mighty work. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, John chapter 14. We're going to be looking at verses 15 to 30. My sermon title this morning is Finding Peace in God's Gifts. Finding Peace in God's Gifts. There was a study done in, in 2021 on financial giving. In fact, America gave over $484 billion. Corporations gave over $21 billion. Foundations gave over $90 billion. As it relates to volunteerism, it's very interesting. It says an estimated 30% of the U.S. adults at 77.9 million Americans volunteered in 2019 and contributed to estimated 5.8 billion hours, valued at approximately $147 billion in value in their, in, as they volunteered. In fact, the top four types of organizations by volunteering are religious, which were 32%, sports, hobby, and cultural arts was about 25%, educational youth services, about 19%, and civic, political, professional, or international, about 62%. In fact, the words, uh, this word encourages us to give us, give us our, our time of service and our, and our talents and our abilities and our treasures and, and, and really our trust in the Lord. It's, if, the church, if, the, if the world is giving these things, how much more should the church be leading the way uh, in these things? In fact, even by looking at the numbers this morning, you would think or you should think that this world, by the money invested, by the time invested, would look a little different. Would look a little different. But what I'm finding is that you can do all these things. You can give, you can serve, but without the power of the Spirit, you won't accomplish much. Because if you're accomplishing all this by your own strength, how much more can we accomplish by the moving and the power of the Holy Spirit in us? And so we begin to see this being played out here, even as we look at these statistics. See, the greatest gift we can receive is not physical, but spiritual. It's not a thing, but it's a person. And we're going to look at that this morning, right? Generosity is a, is a lost is a lost art. In fact, we're called to give ourselves away. And that's exactly what the father did. He gave himself away. Because the greatest gift was given to us by the father. And that was his son. In fact, what would you say if somebody, if you ask somebody a question, this, how would you describe the world? If you were to describe it, how would you describe it? And most of them would say, man, it's pretty crazy. It's broken. It's evil, man. We look out. I mean, I, I, I get news on my, on my phone all the time. And you're just hearing about 
devastations of families. You're reading about the floods in Northern California. You're reading about the tornadoes. You're reeling about hearing about the violence and the politics and all the craziness that goes on there. And I think you're hearing more bad news than you are hearing good news. But if, if that, and I, so when you challenge, what would you, how would you describe it? Describe it that I would say, yeah, this world is, is, is broken. It's broken. Something went wrong, but that never was the intention of God because that brokenness we see in Genesis three, but you got to go always down to Genesis one to see that God's world was created for fellowship. It was created to be in community with him. It was perfect. It was a perfect environment. And Adam and Eve walked with him in the garden. And this was a, a perfect world in the beginning in Genesis one, but failed in Genesis three out of a disobedience. And, and that disobedience produced sin and evil and brokenness and the things we see in our world today that just only transpired over thousands and thousands of years. So what did Jesus do? What did the father do? Seeing the brokenness of the world loved us so much that he sent the greatest gift, which was his son into the world to defeat the brokenness, to overcome the brokenness, to provide a, a healing agent and thing to build healing and restoration and reconciliation to a broken world. And then he turns to the disciples and he chooses them and he says, guess what? I need you to come by faith, to come trust me so that you can be agents of my vision of this new kingdom to come change the world, to bring healing to the world. And when we come by faith to God, we're called to join him on his team to be able to be agents of change by faith to defeat the evil that we see today. It, it's, it's a greater plan for us. It's a, it's a greater vision for the things that God is doing. And he's calling each of you to say, come and join the team. When we come to faith in God, that's what he's calling us to do. By his spirit, he's calling us to, to make a difference that he's called us to be followers of him, the, the biblical followers of Jesus to fulfill his great commandment and his, and his great commission to love him and to, and to love others. Mm. Because he's called us and gifted us with everything we need for godliness Amen. and service. Last week, we, we looked at Jesus. We're looking at Jesus's final message here. He's in an upper room. La chapter 10, remember chapter 13, he washed the disciples' feet. He's, he's giving them this. This is his last really sermon to his disciples before he goes to the cross. There's a, it's going to continue on in 15 and, and, and 16, but in a minute. But he's, he's, this is his last monologue of teaching and instructing them. And he started the chapter with, guys, I know you're, you're troubled in heart right now. I know you're troubled in heart. I know you got this something going on that you're fearful about, but take comfort. Take comfort because I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Because they heard troubling news that he was going to die. He, they heard troubling news that there's a betrayer among them. He, he, he knew there's troubling news that one of them was going to deny him. They, they, so they were, getting like, they were getting this anxiety and worry and fear about that God and Jesus was going to abandon them. Like, we've been walking with you and you're going to go and we can't go with you and we're troubled in heart. So he's kind of keep laying out this comforting words. I'm coming back, but let me tell you, I got to go that another would come. <laughs> There's a comforter coming. And so he's, he says, just trust me. Trust me. Trust the Father. Guys, we're here because we have to do things that we live in a troubling world and sometimes our heart gets troubled. We have to trust in God that everything's going to be okay. He's going to work it all out. He's going to work it out. We may not see all the plans out there. We may not understand how it's all going to work, but that's the journey we're on. That's the faith journey that we are on. And so when you get into John chapter 14... 
We look at verses 15 to 31 this morning. We're going to look at this gifts that produce peace. This gifts that the Father gives. So let's pray. Father, we just pray right now this morning, your hand upon the work that we do here in this room right now. Your spirit does the work. We pray that as we enter in, we pray the moving of your spirit as we learn about your spirit this morning, by the work of your Holy Spirit and the gift we have in him, and the gift of peace and the gift of love and the gift that you've given us, Lord. Pray for your hands upon your people this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, the first thing, the first gift we're going to see is this, the gift of a helper. <laughs> the gift of a helper. Jesus is about to go and he's going to depart them. And he says, I'm going to go that another would come to be your helper. I love that about God. I love that. He says, you know, I, I know exactly what you need. And I'm going to give you all the resources and everything you need to live this thing faced out. I'm going to give you all the help you need. Because we sang a song, how, and Pastor Frank talked about how we need God. And we need to call on his help. And that's exactly what it does. He's given us a helper. So that when he comes, he'll leave something for us. That there's one who's going to come alongside of us, along us on a mission. You know, uh, our, right now, as you guys are in this room, Sandra's leading our children's ministry. And then they have teachers. And then they have helpers. We have teachers' aides to help the teacher to come along to pour into your, your children this morning. Guess what? We have a, a teacher, which is the father, the rabbi Jesus, right? The son and the father is our teacher. But he's going to give us a, a helper, an aide to come alongside us in this journey, in this walk, to allow it along, help come alongside our walk and our journey of faith. Because the Holy Spirit is God in us. It's the gift given to us by the Father and the Son. So let's look at the gift of the Holy Spirit in verses 15 to 18. It says this here. If you love me and keep my commandments, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. What's the first thing the ministry of Jesus doing here? He's praying. Jesus is praying for the, a gift for us. I love that. You know, this is funny. I hope my kids don't watch this. We're praying for a gift for our children. And we're just touching about them, asking that God would bring provision for them and, and blessings for them. That God would touch them with those very things. We're praying blessings and gifts upon them as, as, our, as the parents do. We're, do, we're doing these things as we're praying. We have a, a, a Jesus who's praying for the disciples here. He's interceding for them on their behalf because the Father is the gift giver. Jesus said, if you then being, being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Come on. I mean, we just celebrated Christmas, right? We gave gifts to our kids. So how much more will our Father heaven bless us, right? Jesus is always interceding for us. He always praying for us. He's, he, even now in heaven, he's praying for us. He prayed for Peter when Satan wanted to sift him as we, and he's praying for us to receive this gift, this helper this morning. And Jesus prays that the Holy Spirit will abide in you forever, that the Holy Spirit would live in you. In fact, the word abide here means he, he makes his home in you. 
Guys, we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because this Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is not a force. This isn't Star Wars. Okay, the force be with you. Okay, it's, it's a person. It's a person. It's the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a, in fact, the word it says another helper in the Greek. Another means another of the same kind. The same as the Father, the same as the Son, and the same as the Holy They're all, they're one, three in one. The Holy Spirit are of one. They're one. I'm sending you the gift, which is the third person of the Trinity. And we know that the Holy Spirit has many names and several names and several roles, right? The, he's called the helper here. He's called the spirit of truth. In fact, the word helper can be translated comforter, counselor, advocate. It's the Greek word parakaleos, which means to summon or to call to one's side or to one's aid. Why? Because he's a comforter to those that are grieving. He's a counselor for those in distress. He's a helper for those who need assistance. In fact, the word comforter in the Latin means strengthened. See, God wants to strengthen us this morning. He knows exactly what we need in the moments that we need them. He knows exactly what he, the person of God says. I know who you are. I know what you're, I'm, I'm going to be that in that moment for you. If you need a counselor in your depression, if you need, if guys even refer to it as wisdom. And you, it says, call on wisdom from a heaven. I'll give you the wisdom you need for the moments. That's the road of the, the spirit this morning. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth job is to eliminate, illuminate truth, to show us the truth. We see that in verse 26, that he gives us understanding, spiritual understanding of his word. For in John 16, we'll get into a later verse that he says he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That's the work of the Holy Spirit working. In fact, the Holy Spirit is present in three ways, it says in this verses. He says he is with us. He is in us. And later he'll say he's upon us. I hope, I, I want you to understand this. This is very, very important. Here's, here's the secret sauce of how the Holy Spirit works. You know that, you know, In-N-Out Burger has a secret sauce, right? Do you know an In-N-Out Burger has a menu that you don't even know that's there? You can order things that's not even on the menu? That only the people in the know know that menu, right? I have a daughter that worked in In-N-Out Burger. Oh yeah, dad, you can order this, this. It's not on a menu, but just order this, 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 and they'll give it to you. There's a secret sauce. There's a secret things. And if you're in the know, you get to, I'm going to put you in the know of something about some secret things about the Holy Spirit right there right now. I'm going to give you the, the secret sauce, the lay down right here. Guess number one, it says that he is with us. The word, meaning he's present with you right now. He's present in this room. You know, when you're here listening to the word and sometimes I say something and there's something that clicks off and you got those goosebumps or you're like, dang, pastor's like speaking straight to me. Like, I don't, how did you know that about me? You know, that's not me. That's the work of the spirit working because the spirit knows you and he's present now. He's present now because what he's, he's working right now to draw you to him and his presence is saying, I know where you're at. I know what you've done. I know where you were last night and I know why you're here this morning. And I'm drawing you to reveal something to you. But not only am I with you, guess what? Now the gift is I'm going to be in you by faith. I'm going to come abide in you. I'm going to come live in you. I'm going to come empower you by faith when you receive them. 
fact, in John 20, when he comes, he's after his rest, he says, I breathe the Holy Spirit into the disciples. There was a breathing. So they had Jesus in the spirit inside them and inside us. Come on. But then there's the moment where not only is he with us and he's in us, he will be upon us. I hope you're catching those different terms because those are very important. Well, by the time you get to Acts chapter one, verse eight, he tells them, I want you to go to, to the upper room that you would pray because I got to do something mighty in you. You have the spirit in you, but I'm going to put power on you to do this great work that I have to start the church. Because remember, 50 days be- before Pentecost or when Jesus resurrected, Peter denied Christ, right? He denied it. We're going to get into that story later. That was the fear. Why did Peter deny Christ when he said, aren't you with him? Because Peter did not have power at that moment. He did not have power at the moment to be a defender. Some of us are trying to walk with God, but we don't understand the power of God in us. And so we falter in that. But now he says, listen, I'm going to come and pour the spirit upon you and give you power for this moment to birth out the church. And when the spirit came upon Peter, he preached the greatest gospel with great boldness. And 3000 came to know Jesus. The difference of 50 days and the difference of the spirit in your life from failure to victory. See, God says, I'm giving you this power in you so that you can have victory. You cannot do this alone. You need the helper. You need the helper in your life. We call that the the baptism of the spirit. You have the spirit, but you're asking for the power of the spirit to be inactivated in your life. Right. You need that. Right. You need you got those. You got some of you guys are like sugar people. You go take those those monster drinks. Right. You take those, you know, those those all those sugar things because you're you're physically stimulating falsely your body to give you power and energy. And you're like crank it. Right. Later to die of diabetes and, you know, all that stuff. It's, it's a false energy for a season because you're going to rush up, but then you're going to crash down. Right. So all those Dunkin Donuts you get and all those coffee and all that stuff is your sugar rush to get you going. But the problem with that, that's not real power. That's fake power. That's it's you going up and coming down. God didn't give you his power so you can go up and crash. He gave you power so you can continue on in the life and the work and the ministry in your home and your business and everything so you can do what all God's called you to do. And so we see that here. Why? Because the disciples had a troubled heart. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you some power so your heart is not troubled. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to give you what you need because the word orphan means comfortless, but he goes, you're not abandoned. You're not alone. You're not helpless. You're not hopeless. He's just comforting them. It's like, ah, I'm going to give you this helper. But also going to give you the gift of the father and the son. Because in 19 and 20, it says this, a little while longer and the world will see me no more. He's talking about his death. But you will see me because I live and you will live. And on day you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Hmm. Jesus revealed himself to the church so the church can bear witness of Jesus. So you, the world doesn't see me, but you see me. Come on. You know me. Right? You know, you know, right? Jesus is, you know, referencing like, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to die. And they're not going to see me no more. They're going to think I'm gone. They think I'm dead. I think they, they took me out. We know he's going to resurrect and 500 are going to see him. The apostles, all they're going to see him. And then, and you're going to see me also in eternity also. Again, you're going to see me after rest, but you're going to see me in eternity. 
and I'm eternal. And because your faith, you will be eternal. And the apostle John would later remind the disciples and his followers this. He says, he who has the son has life and he who does not have the son of God does not have life. Right? But he, he promised something very interesting here. I love this. And I, I'm going to illustrate this so you can understand it because it's kind of like a tongue twister. He says what, that, that on that day, you will know that I am in my father and I am in you and you in me. Here's us. Us as his creation. It says that I am in the sun. So I go into the sun. Right? That's Christ. But Christ is in the father. Right? So he's in the Father. We're all wrapped up in the Father and in the Son. Guess what? The enemy has to go through the Father and the Son in order to get to me. Do you understand the armor there? Do you understand the protection there? Do you understand what's going on with that? That I am in the Father, the Father is in me, and that I'm in the, I'm in the Son? All these things are beauty of the gift that God has given us. Go ahead, so when the enemy comes knocking on your door... I'm letting the Father answer it. I'm letting the Son answer it. I'm letting the Holy Spirit answer it. Can you go take care of that business? Because he has to go through them before he gets to me. See how God puts the guard. Don't let your heart be troubled. I ain't left you hanging. I I got your back. It's all all good. Right? And so we see this. He's given us a helper. I love that about God. God's always got my back. He's my bodyguard, spiritual bodyguard. He guards me. But here's the second thing, guys. Here's the second gift, the gift of love and obedience. You know, love is a, a word, word that people often throw around, right? You know, I love you. I love you like I love my hot dogs. You know, I hope not. But we throw that word love around like it's nothing today. But, but love can be, has to be, have to have different meanings. There's different meanings and different depends how you use it with that love, word love means. In fact, in the scripture, love is defined by action, not necessarily a word. When, when Julie and I got married, uh, we entered in a marriage covenant. We sang about covenant in one of our songs today, if you caught it. We entered a marriage covenant. We exchanged vows and said our dues before family and friends at the, at the altar. And, and my love for my wife didn't end there at the altar on that special day, July First, 1989, when I came forward to, and pledged my love and commitment to my, didn't stop at that altar. Okay, I'm done. And after I left, I can just go live any way I want to live apart from my wife. That's, that's not how it works, right? When we come to the altar by faith, we make a love commitment and a covenant with God with I do's. When we make a confession of faith and we come in a covenant agreement with God, that means I can't just go and live any way I want to do and that my covenant relationship just ends at the altar. It doesn't end at the altar. It's actually a beginning from the altar. It actually sends us out. And I, now I'm in a, a, this relationship uh, with God and that I made vows before my friends in that confession. And it's lasting. That's why he writes in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience is a practice of love. I can't say I love my life and live any way I want. I can't say I love God and live any way I want. Here's the key. The love for God will only come to pass when we experience his love personally. I hope you heard that. Until we understand and begin to understand God's love for us, we'll never express our love for him. Because his love is deep. Right? 
I think the reason we struggle with obedience is really we have not experienced God's love fully. God's love fully. See, love is the super glue that keeps the relationship with God. Look at verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. It's a lot in there, but first of all, love grows by accepting God's love letters, his commands. I have his commands. These, these, these books that we have in the scriptures is his love letters to us and his love letters to his Jewish people in the Old Testament, his love letter to us in the New Testament of what he thinks about us and how we're to live and how we're to walk in love. He's, he got away from the legalism and he moved it to love because it wasn't really just about the law. It's about love. He moved from the law to love because the law just shows how bad we are. Love just shows the compassion that comes from God for God is love. And if God is in us, then we have to be the expression of love to those around us because God is in us. And so we have his commands here that we follow, but also love grows by obeying his commands and living out these love letters. We keep them. He says, we love, we'll keep his commands. Now I'm not saying that you have a checklist at home and I have the 10 commandments on my walls. And if I just follow those, I must be expressing love. It's not, that's not how it works. You know, if, if I married my wife and, and then the next day we're, at, we're on a honeymoon and, or we're moving to our new house, and I say, okay, honey, here's the checklist for you. I want to make sure that the kitchen's clean, my clothes is washed, um, you, you, you pick clean up after me, you make sure, and I have uh, 10 things that she has to do, and every day I'm going to come home, I'm going to check whether you, you've done them. She's not going to live in love, she's going to live in stress. Because now it's a work-based love. You mean it's a conditional love. Like if I do this, then Pete's going to love me? What's going to happen is when I die, she's going to say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and then she's going to marry somebody else. And she just says, I love you. And then every day he, she, he, that person comes home and says, man, thank you for doing, cleaning, the, cleaning the kitchen. Thank you for picking up after me. She, he didn't. That person didn't give her a list, but because she loved that guy, she was already doing the things on the list without having to have that list. See, in Romans 2, it says the Gentiles didn't know the law. They fulfilled the law because they loved God. <laughs> See, they, they didn't have to know the law. They didn't have to know the rules. They just did them out of their love for God. That's the relationship that we should be in as it relates to the words and God's word, that this natural just coming because we love God. And we just love others. And so love grows by expression of our love for Jesus, the one who loves us and loves me, right? I'm, I'm loving Jesus just because that's an expression. One of our E4 purposes is to express love, right? Love to God and to love to others. That's one of our visions of our E4 purpose. Love is a powerful thing, right? Love grows, by, love grows by reciprocation. You will be loved by my Father and the Son as I love them. They love me back. It's a, it's a, it's a mutual relationship of expression of love. And that in that, love grows when we see Jesus because he says, when you obey my commands, when you love me, I will manifest myself to you. It means I will reveal myself to you. Because love is not legalism that keeps, us in, keeps the relationship fresh. It's, it's, it's love that keeps the relationship fresh. Not the rules. If I were to sum up this verse here, I would say, if you serve me and obey my commandments, then you will see me. I will manifest myself. You see, the more you draw closer to God, the more he reveal himself to you. 
We can see God as a God of rules or we can see God as a loving savior. That is why God demonstrated his own love to us while we were yet still sinners. He died for us. He expressed that love when we are far from him. He still expressed his love for us. Why? Here's another thing, because love is personal. Love is personal. Look at verse 22 and 24. It says here, Judas, not a scared. Remember, Judas is scared is gone by this point. He went to, he left the table. He went out to get ready to betray Jesus. Says, Judas, not a scared, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words which you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. So Judas, not a scared, other disciple asked Jesus a personal question. If... (laughs) How, how, we, how is that you're going to manifest yourself? Lord, how is it you're going to manifest yourself you're, and not to the world? How, how, how are we going to see you, but how is the world not going to see you? I, I, he's kind of caught off by that. You know, he's asking a question. He's, he's processing the words of Jesus. Have you ever read God's word and you're like, oh, I got to read that again if I'm fully understanding it. You know, I, I do that often. I read the scripture. And I go, well, let me go back and read that and see if fully grasp what Jesus is saying or the words are saying. Because sometimes I might fully not understand the words. And I think that's what's going on. He's hearing Jesus is present with them. He's teaching them. And, 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 and Judas is processing his words. So that's why he asked this question. It's okay to go back and say, God, am I catching this? Am I, am I really understanding what you're saying? Right? When Julia and I talk and we talk to each other and sometimes I understand her, I say, wait, wait, wait. Is this what you're saying? I try to repeat what she's saying so I can fully understand. And she might say, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this. And we have to do that sometimes in our communication. And, and we come to God's word. We're going to say, hey, God, let me, let me check this. Did I read this right? Am I understanding this correctly? And that's what Judas is kind of doing here, right? Why, why won't the world see him? Because I think love can be truly blind to some people. <laughs> love can be truly blind, Right. They, they don't really see and understand God's love truly. They, they, they don't see it. I think Judas is trying to process all that Jesus is saying. Sometimes it's, it's hard to understand God's love because sometimes we filter trying to understand God's love through the world's love. Because we only have the definition of love through the world love, but not through biblical love. But yet it says in Romans 8, nothing, 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 nothing can separate us from the love of God. Because it's not conditional. God loves us. God loves us no matter what we do. He loves. He reigns on the righteous and the unrighteous. Right? When you walked out these doors last night or this morning and rain was coming, he's reigning on the believer and the unbeliever. He does. He does. He's pouring out his blessings. He's, 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 his love is like that. It, it comes on all, but not all receive that love, but he pours out his love and we see it. We see that there. But then Jesus answers Judas's question in two ways. First of all, he says, those who love me and obey me, I will reside in them. So first of all, you're going to see me by living, by, you, by me living in you, right? Because Jesus was the door Jesus was the door to heaven. Jesus was the door to the relationship with the Father. And so he says, my relationship, first of all, my, your encounter with me is where you're going to see me. Not everybody's going to have that. When you share with your friend about your love of God and how God's changed your life, some people don't understand that. They don't understand when you sit at home and alone and you're reading your word and God's speaking. They don't understand that. 
they're looking at you and say, Victor, you're crazy, brother. Like, your life has changed. How is God changing this? And you're trying to explain them like, I can't see it. I don't understand that. And your God is drawing. God is drawing. But the second thing is those who don't love me and don't obey have, a, have closed the door to God. So those who see him or open the doors, I'm open the doors so I can have fellowship with God. And those who don't see, close the door. Right? They didn't receive me. Like, I talk to people all the time and share with them. They just, well, that's, that's good for you, Pastor Pete. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you love Jesus. And they just have re not received that gift of love. And that's troubling. Because you've tasted the love of God. And it's good. You've experienced the love of God. And it's good. And then you try to tell that about others, and you're not, they're not receiving it. They're not understanding it. They're not, you know, there's, I, I don't know, I, I, maybe that's just me, but that's what I have experienced with other people. I'm like, God, God loves you so much. Can you not see it? And you fight his love, and yet you said you want to be different, yet God says, here's how you be different, but then you don't want to receive it because you don't believe it. But that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Amen. Amen. But then there's the gift of peace. He gives us the peace. He gives the, the helper, love and obedience. When we walk in obedience, right? We experience this great love for God. That's a sign of our obedience. But then peace comes with that, right? In fact, in the Eastern culture of the day, when one was leaving or saying their goodbyes, they would offer a blessing of peace. Think about this. The word goodbye was first used in 1570 as a short way of saying God be with you. That's the meaning of the word goodbye. In fact, our farewell words have faith components. In the Spanish, adios means to God. Vallecandillo means go with God. In the French, adieu means to God. It's all rooted in faith when we say goodbye. And so Jesus was bidding his disciples with a blessing of shalom, a, a, a blessing of peace. I'm going, but a peace I'm going to give you when I go. Find, we find peace, first of all, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Look at verses 25 and 26. It says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So Jesus, the rabbi, the word rabbi means teacher. Jesus, the rabbi, is teaching them all about this coming gift. Let me tell you about this gift, this, this helper. He's coming to represent the Father and Son. He's our PR person, right? The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus, and Jesus always points to the Father. You'll see that in scriptures. They're never promoting. They're never, they're never self-promoting. They're promoting the Son, and they're promoting the Father. You always see that in the scriptures. But the Spirit will bring to memory the things we need in the moment. I love that about God. The things, like when you have to make decisions at your work, the best thing to do is pray, God, give me wisdom. Or you get in a situation with your husband or your wife or your children or whatever decision you have to make, you call on God to say, give me the wisdom to make the right call here. Because it says the promise is that the Holy Spirit will give you what you need in that moment when you call on him. Sometimes we're impulsive. We just jump into the situation. We don't pray about it. We just think it. We just do it instead of taking a pause, a, a Selah moment and saying, God, what am I going to do in this situation? Let me take a moment, a pause for a moment, and I pray because the promises the Holy Spirit will give you things for the moment. And, but those things will come when? When you abide in him and him abide in you. We're going to get to John 15 next week when we talk about that. But when you abide in his word, when you abide in him, it means you're sitting 
and reading. I get up in the morning and I try to read my, I'm reading through my daily Bible and in, okay, I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm going to read the Old Testament. I read the New Testament, read the Psalms and read the Proverbs. And I'm reading and say, God, I don't know why you give me the scriptures, but maybe somewhere today I'm going to use these verses or I'm going to need these verses or I'm going to recall my mind. And so I'm downloading these verses in my heart. I'm downloading them in my mind and I'm abiding and I'm doing that because somewhere along the day, I'm going to have to withdraw from them. So just like you have a bank account and you make deposits, you have to take, pay things and you have to withdraw to do it. God is depositing you his truth. He's depositing you things you need for the day. So when you go about the day, you can make withdrawals. And so when you're abiding with him and you're going about your day, then you're going to make withdrawals in the moments of the things you need for that specific time or need or whatever. But if you're not investing in those deposits, you're not going to be able to pull from anything. And so that's important by abiding. And in fact, Psalm 119, when you go before the word, it says, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things of your law. God, as I'm reading and abiding, I need you to show me things. And so in this moment, God will remind you of the promises, the scriptures you have studied. He will give you words for those who ask you why you believe and what you believe. He'll give you answers to tough questions. He promised you he'll stand, he promised that you will stand before rulers and kings and he says, don't worry about what to say. I'll give you the word. So don't be like Moses who said, I don't speak well and, 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 and I don't know what to say, but be like Paul and pray and give me the words to share with boldness. Some of you say, well, I'm afraid to share about my faith because I don't know what to share. Or if I'm going to make a, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a mistake or I don't know how to do this. And you know, God's saying, oh, trust me, I will give you the words to speak if you're willing to have boldness. If you're willing to trust me, to share with others, I will, I will do that because it's the spirit that draws men, not you. You save nobody. You're only his vessel. Okay. Zachariah says that, that this is what the Lord says, Robo, that it's not by not by force nor by my strength, but by the spirit, saith the Lord of heaven armies. It's the spirit working, always working in me and through me. But also, I'm not saying we won't have moments of weakness, guys, in our walk. I'm not saying that we're perfect. I always say that this process of sanctification is a process. It's not perfection. Right? It's God's taking us on a journey of processing us, informing us, and doing these different things. Doesn't mean that we won't have mistakes. Doesn't mean that we won't fall short. Doesn't mean that we won't have. The disciples had moments of weaknesses, right? Because the spirit is willing, but the, the flesh is weak. We're going to see when the disciples go into the garden, after they just have this great moment of conversation with Jesus, the next step, he says, let now all arise and go at the end of this chapter because they're ready to go into the garden of Gethsemane. And he's going to ask them to pray. Hey, guys, can you just pray for me for one hour? And what do they do? They fall asleep. Like, dang. Like, the enemy's coming. Be alert. Be watchful. <sighs> oh, man, these guys, I've been with you guys three years. You ain't got my back. Come on, bros. What's going on? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We have those moments in our, in our lives, right? God, but be, trust me, what is this word? God's begun a good work in us, and he's going to be faithful to complete it. He's renewing us day by day. Yeah. It reminds me of a story of this, um, this guy in, who was driving and he's driving. Now, for, I grew up in LA, so traffic is crazy in LA. And so in, uh, the traffic in LA is so bad that on the freeway, it stops for periods of time. And so this guy's sitting here in his car and there's a guy in front and he's just tracking. And all of a sudden, this guy's honking, and the guy in front is like, what's going on? He goes, on his horn. 
in frustration, the guy in front of him with the cars all stopped, gets out of his car and the freeway walks over. Dude, can't you not see? There's traffic. I can't go anywhere. Why do you keep honking at me? And the guy looked and says, because your bumper cursor says, if you honk, if you love Jesus. Listen, like we have those moments, guys, right? We're like all in the flesh, all in about that stuff. And then all of a sudden like, oh, snap, God brings us back into reality. We have those moments in our lives. Like I, I've had those moments, right? I, I, I've had those embarrassing moments sometimes. I ain't gonna lie. But let me tell you something. We find peace in the peacemaker in the gift of peace. Peace I leave with you, it says in verse 20. It's my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Mm. Here's the process of peace in our life. Here's the gift of peace. Number one is Jesus is the peacemaker. He's the peacemaker, right? Ephesians 2.7 says he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who were near. I, I'm telling you, there's a peace that comes from me because I'm the peacemaker, right? And the peacemaker offers peace. The peace is with the Father. Romans says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. For his, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his death of his sons, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Romans 5, 1 and 10. What is he saying? We have peace with the Father. But what, what was our stance before the Father? We were Enemies, it says here, right? It says we were enemies, but we were reconciled, bridged back together to God through the death of his son, who's the bridge. Much more, we haven't been reconciled, brought together. We shall be saved by Jesus's life. He's the peacemaker, right? But let me tell you, not only is he the peacemaker, he's the peace in our storms. He gives us peace in the midst of our storms. I'm reading about all the storms going on in Northern California and boats coming in and rescuings coming in, houses being destroyed and, and all the torrent that's happening there. But you will have peace with Jesus in the storm because he writes in John 16, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He's saying, guys, you're going to have tribulations. You're going to have storms. But we're like the disciples in the boat when Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat and the storms come and all this crazy and they're panicking and they're like, dude, we're going to die. And, and then they're trying to wake up Jesus who's, who's doing a little siesta in the back and they wake him up and go, don't you, don't you want to save, don't you care about us? We're going through all the storms. And Jesus goes, oh, little faith, oy vey. Don't you just, don't you believe? Storm, be still. When still, you know, we, we, we just panic in the storms. But guys, I'm with, I'm with you in the boat. How can Jesus be sleeping in a boat when there's a storm going on? I don't know if you've ever been on a boat, but I've been on boats when there's storms. And that thing rocks. And Jesus is chilling. Why? Because Jesus is always abiding with the Father. He's learned that. Learn to be, hey man, it's all good. Jesus got, if I'd have got this, I'm gonna chill. So I could sleep in the storm, but the disciples haven't learned to abide yet. And so when the storms hit, we get riled, we get shaken, we get rocked, we get all these different things, and we're just troubled in heart. And he's saying, oh, then Jesus gotta show himself, right? Boom, be calm. You're like, oh man, Lord, I'm sorry. I, 
We have those moments. Those are teaching moments, right? Jesus was teaching them in the moment. God is always teaching us in the moment. But I'm with you in the storms. I'm with you when you can't make the electrical bill, but I'll bring it. You know, I'm with you when you got to pay ten dollars an hour for gas, ten dollars a gallon for gas. I'm with you with you know that electric bill, the, the heater bill has gone up, skyrocketed because they, the the taxes and all that stuff we're facing right now. It's it's hard. And I like I don't know how I'm gonna make that bill this week, God. I don't know how I'm gonna get through the storm this week. God sees it, and God hears you. God understands that. But again, understand his pieces are part of our armor too. Remember he talks about armor in the Bible? It's part of our armor, our protection here. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians 4. That when we're anxious and we're stressed, you said pray and my peace will guard this and this. Because we're troubled, troubled in mind because the wages of war takes place in the mind in Romans 7. We're troubled in our heart because we see these things because ah, be still. What is he telling us to do? He says, with prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the God of peace will guard your heart and mind. Peace. Be still and pray, right? Be thankful. Do you, do you see the attitude switch in that when you want peace? That we have to stop and we say, okay, God, thank you for this crazy storm that's in my life. I don't know why you're bringing it, but you have a purpose in it. And I'm going to trust that you're trying to teach me something here. And I'm going to take a pause here and say, I'm going to wait and be still. And then this peace of God just comes. Just pumps because you're stopping. You're not being anxious. Okay, God, now I'm going to go by faith. and I'm going to trust you're going to lead my way. Here's another fourth about peace is that now you're the messengers of peace. You actually become the messengers of peace. Right? Because we read in Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings and good things. You find peace when you become peacemakers. Not drama makers. You know, people come around, you know, oh, that person just tosses drama wherever they go. They're drama makers. That's their reputation, right? I hope that's not your reputation. Oh, I don't want to get out of here. That person. You know all those people? God says, be peacemakers. When you come around, it's just peaceable. You want those people in your houses. You want those people around you because they're peacemakers. We see that. Because God's peace is different than the world's peace. Right? In the world, we have peace treaties that we have broken. (laughs) We have established mediations because we can't keep the peace. We've established restraining orders to keep the peace. We have established borders to keep the peace. This isn't God's peace. It's man's means to try to make peace. And actually these things cause more division than peace. All this has brought, all these things have just brought trouble. Worldly peace brings fear. It brings fear. Worldly peace isn't strong. It's not spiritual. It's fleshly. It's man-made. But Jesus is challenging the disciples to trust and believe in his peace. You don't need to be afraid. When the storms hit, I'll calm the storm. When the people are hungry and you're hungry, I will feed you. When you lost a loved one, I will comfort you. When you feel like an outcast, I'll never leave you, forsake you. Thank you. Don't be afraid. (laughs) Have peace.
And his peace is a promise that Jesus gave as we close. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I said I'm going to the Father for my Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Jesus is repeating the promise because he has to repeat the promise because we're forgetful people. He's already told him I'm coming back earlier in chapter, chapter, beginning of chapter 14. I go to prepare a place, I'll come back for you, right? The disciples just didn't be reminded of hope because he didn't want to get them caught up in false hope. Jesus is just saying, just believe in me again. Just trust me. I will return and I'm giving you a helper. I'm affirming your love and I'm giving you peace. Why? Because the father is greater than I. What he's, he's, what he's saying is not saying that, that his father was greater in a sense of, of like equality because they were the same. The father, son, the Holy Spirit are the same. It, it, he was greater by position, but not by essence because they were the same. Like I have a position, different position. We might have different positions. You're, you may be a president and then, you, you, and then somebody else may be a vice president and somebody else may be whatever. That's, you're, not, you're the same as people, but by position, you own different roles of positions in where God has placed you. And we see that here. But he says, rejoice in my departure. You, you don't see it as abandonment, seeing as ready to receive the gift. I have to go to give you the gift. That's part of the plan, right? You're going you're gonna to face some hard times, so I need to give you this gift. I need to give you this helper. Because the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and the joy of the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. And so my departure is for your faith, that you might believe, that you might grow, that you might trust because you have this troubled heart. Because the Bible says we enter the kingdom through, through tribulations. See, the whole journey with the disciples was to build up their faith. It was their conditioning to go the distance to work, to do the work they needed to do. When I played sports in high school, I played on the basketball team and we had a coach that told us, you will never, ever be tired in the game. And he made us do line drills or running the lines. But not only did he make us do that, he actually ran them with us. I had a coach that actually ran the line. Like he, we couldn't say, oh, coach, we're dying on her, but he's not running. No, he actually ran it with us. Because it's not, I'm not only asking that of you, but I'm going to be in it with you. And God said this, he says, I'm going to give you what you need to go the distance. This is, this is this conditioning you need. And I'm, I'm there with you to go the distance with you. And love is the obedience in the midst of opposition. I will, no longer talk, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler uh, of this world is coming and he has, he has nothing in me, but the world may know that I love the father and, and that the father gave me commandments. So I do arise, let us go from here. And basically as he closes, he says, my time is running short, right? Uh, it's only a few, it's only, I, I'm sharing these words with you because Satan, my adversary is knocking on the door, Right? He is the, Satan is the ruler of this world. He's already exposing who the enemy is, right? Satan has a plan for death. He's he described as a roaring lion seeking whom he destroyed. And Judas is already at this time is preparing to get Jesus arrested. He's already left. Satan's already entered him. He's already about evil. He's already setting everything up. They're ready to go to the garden of Gethsemane. They're preparing to head that way. It's only a few hours before this demonic deception comes that fulfillment of prophetic words. Let me tell you, you have an adversary. I want you to understand that. 
you have an adversary and he's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And we need to understand the roles of the spirit in our lives. For John will later write, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Underline that, 1 John 4, 4. He that is in you is greater than our adversary who is out here. You have power. You have authority. And guess what? Jesus closing by saying, my life's testimony to the world is about the love for my father. My father's commanded me and given me a mission, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be obedient to his mission and his purpose. And that's why he went to the cross with all joy. Amen. He went to the cross with all joy because he thought about you and he thought about me and I'm fulfilling the mission of my father. I was in such obedience with my father that even in the darkest time, I know joy. Can you be in such a right relationship with God, even in the darkest time you experience the greatest joy? Man, that's where Jesus was, right? So if you love me, you'll obey my commands even unto death, <laughs> right? So arise, let us go. He's preparing to go to the garden of Gethsemane. Now, as he's moving this direction, it says in 18 that they left. Well, what they're doing is, it's kind of like a preacher says, okay, I'm almost done. Then he keeps going. You ever been a preacher? Like, okay, we're coming, we're running down in the plane and he speaks another 20 minutes. Well, Jesus, the rabbi is doing the same thing here. Okay, let us go. Oh, by the way, let me talk about the vine and the branch. He goes in chapter 15. Right, and that's where we're going to get into next week. But I love that. So it gives me an excuse to keep going on my preaching because Jesus did it. Okay. Amen. So we find this, guys, the greatest, the peace of gift giving is we find peace, first of all, in the Holy Spirit, which is our helper. We need our helper. Number two, we find peace when we love and obey God. When we're walking in obedience out of love, we're going to find peace. That's the gift. And we're going to find peace in the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry, as he reveals who God is, he reveals his word. We're going to find peace because this is the gift he gives us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you this morning for your spirit. Thank you for the power of your spirit, Lord. Lord, we need your helper today. We need your spirit. And so I'm praying this morning for those in this room right now. Lord, maybe they've never experienced your power. And they need that empowerment in their lives right now. I'm going to pray. If you want just God to empower you by his spirit, doesn't want you, I just want you to raise your hand this morning so I can pray for you. I see hands being raised up. People are saying, yes, Lord, I need more of Jesus in my life. I need that power in my life. I see you. I see you. I see God sees you. I see you up in the balcony. I see you down here. I see you in the back. See the hands raised, God. You're saying, God, I need your power to live today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that are raising their hands right now, Lord. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit just come upon them as, they, as you are in them. I pray right now, Lord, as they leave this building, Lord, they're going to know your love by the presence of your spirit. I pray right now that they're going to do mighty, greater, mighty things than you. I pray right now, Lord, that they're going to walk in the spirit, which is Galatians 5.22, for, for, the, for, for the spirit of God is love, joy, good, peace, goodness, self-control. Father, I'm going to pray that these are evident in their lives, in their everyday life, that they're going to experience great joy, great peace, great love. Lord, I pray today, Lord, they're going to know because you dwell in them. But you said that there's going to be an overflow of living water in them because of your spirit. This is going to overflow, Lord. The joy of the Lord will be their strength, Lord, today. I'm praying that today, this morning, for your people. 
I thank you, I praise you, I honor you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen, amen. amen. What a powerful word. Thank you, Pastor Pete. Man, I think it's so important that uh, this sermon series is called Remind. Because in 2023, it's been about almost three weeks now, guys, and I'm so busy. We're so busy going and going and going, and sometimes we tend to forget about what God has done in our lives. I can count, probably a lost count, how many times just this week I've gone and forgotten about what God has done for me because I'm so busy and I'm focusing on other things, get caught in the flesh, get caught, you know what I mean? Just focusing on other things rather than God's goodness and his love and his blessing for us. And so um, so all of us just like that, just um, needing us to be reminded about God's goodness and his love and his blessings. Um, yeah. And... Um, I think the most important thing that we could do as the body of Christ here together is to to spring in this new year and create habits of goodness because once we forget about God's goodness, then we start taking the power in on ourselves and that's where we get fatigued, that's where we get tired and that's where we start to um, not care about other people or not care about other people's eternal salvation or not. And so the fact that we can take this cup, this is for the believer. This is for people who believe that Jesus Christ died, that he died for our sins, that he was buried and that we rose on the third day. So if you haven't said that prayer, if you guys haven't like said, God in my heart, I just want you to be my Lord and savior. I'm asking you right now, like make that commitment that this is the most important thing you could ever do for your eternity, not just for your life because it's gonna change the trajectory of your life. I can count every, I can see every miracle here in this room that has said yes to Jesus and has, the lives are transformed, each and every one of us. And so that's why we, we come to this table. It's not like some uh, hyper like magic juice. It's remembering that God's body was broken for us and that his blood was spilled for us. In order for us to have eternal life with him, because without his sacrifice, we don't make the mark. We don't, we don't have that, the, the cleanliness, the spotless, the blamelessness that Jesus did. It was only his sacrifice that was sufficient on the cross. And, and it's so painful to think that someone who was spending so much time, and just I'm talking about just the 12 that he was with, there he's telling them I gotta go but my spirit's gonna come back you should be happy that I'm leaving I'm gonna be beaten for you I'm gonna have my blood spilt for you in order so that way you could have a better opportunity at life and um just thinking about like how um a lot of soldiers that are in the in the war field they spend so much time with their brothers and the people they care about that are side by side that spill blood and, and fight for one another that you see that when a grenade's tossed, that one brother sacrifices himself in order so that everyone else could live. God sacrificed himself. He jumped on that grenade that we deserve. We would all be gone without his blood and his sacrifice. And so that is what God has done for us. 
He's taking that for us because we we're, we're scared. We don't deserve it. We don't make the mark. We miss it every time. Every day I leave these doors, I miss the mark. That's why every day, that's why we take this every Sunday. We should be doing this every day in our lives. Every time we go out, we should be constantly reminding ourselves about what God is doing. That's the only way we can start walking in the spirit more and more, creating habits of saying, God, you did this for me. I want to help this person. I want to talk to this person. Do you know Jesus? And sometimes you need to serve before you can start teaching and preaching because that's where you're going to find out where God really is. It's helping people getting dirty, cleaning bathrooms. Like the first five, six years, and even until now, it's just about serving because we love you guys. We're here for you guys. And um, we are the hands and feet and sometimes the armpits of Jesus because it's sometimes not the best smelling, but you know what? We're in it. We're about that life. You know what I'm saying? And so on the night, I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm reading from the NLT because it's a little bit easier for me to read. And, um, and so it says that, for I pass on, this is Paul, he's writing to the Corinthian church. He says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, that on the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine. He said, this is the cup of my blood, which is poured out for many. For all who believe and receive, this is the forgiveness of your sins and the covenant of God for you. And that, that way the Holy Spirit can come. That way now you can have power upon high that is, is living in you in order to go out and to be the hands and feet of Jesus and speak his power and his truth. You may partake. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every heart and soul here. And I pray that in 2023, that we would create habits of service, habits of seeking you moment by moment, God, in every situation, every um, every time we slip up, God, that you would correct our hearts, correct our minds in ways that only you know how, and that um, you're not a, a condemning God, you're a convicting God, so we can turn from the way we think and the way we act, God, and just focus on you and watch and see how much power and love that we can have in it, God. So I just pray that for every heart and soul listening to this right now, God, that you would just allow your spirit to overflow in them the love and the grace and the peace that you give, God. And then we would be reminded every moment that we walk in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus all over the room. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Give it up for Jesus all over the room. And you can stand on your feet. We're getting ready to fellowship and hang out. But look at somebody real quick and just say, neighbor. Neighbor. It was so good praising God with you this morning. Come on, look at him right in the eye and just say, neighbor. It was so good praising God with you this morning. All right, turn to the person behind you and just say, neighbor, I know you was blessed. And it was so good praising God with you this morning. Come on, clap those hands one more time for the Lord. Amen. Oh, yeah. I pray you were blessed. I know you were blessed. My admonishment to you, as I say many Sundays, is that um, to go back online and to rewatch this. You know, we want repetition makes it stick. Amen. You know, I know some of us taking tests, right? If you if you study the material one time, you're not going to do so well on that final. Amen. But of course, it's repetition. You go over that material over and over and over. When that final come, amen. 
You know, when that when you're in traffic. That's good. Amen. When somebody say the wrong thing, amen. Because I've been studying and Ooh. repeating his word over yes. and over. It is hidden in my heart that I may not sin against him. Amen. So go back and watch that message. Amen. One more time. Also, too, um, you know, uh, if you need prayer at the end of service, we do want you to know we want to pray for you. So, of course, we have pastors and leaders that want to pray for you, especially those that are Chargers fans. We understand that there was a, a crazy thing that happened last night, and many of us are, you know, we're we're grieving right now, but we're praying for you as well. Amen. And uh, <laughs> I should have said that, huh? <laughs> no, but for real, though, if you need prayer, please make your way to the front after service. And as well, also, too, notice that there's an empty chair next to you. You guys see a chair? Point to a chair that's empty next to you. Amen. Now, that's for your friend. That's for your neighbor. That's for somebody that you meet at the grocery store, at the gas station. I want you to invite them next week to hear the word of God and get that hope that they need. Amen. All right. Will y'all do that for me? All right. Let's pray. And then we're going to jump into this last song. Father God, we thank you so much just for a time and your word and worship. We love you and we thank you. And we pray that it's hidden in our heart that we may not sin against you, but that we may live it out. We love you. And it's in Jesus name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. bound and drenched in tears you say they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all alone we sing it out right here
in robes of white the blazing sun shall pierce the night and i will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on jesus We bless you today. Thank you so much for a wonderful time in worship and in your word. And Father, as we leave this place, we don't leave your presence. We know that you are with us everywhere that we are going. You abide in us and you move with us. And Father, let us be moved by you. Let us be moved by you and let us respond to your pulling. We submit to you today. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Come on, clap those hands one more time for the Lord. Amen. Remember, if you do need prayer, we do have pastors and leaders that do want to pray for you. Also, too, if you are new, first-time visitors, please make your way to the Welcome Center. We also have a special gift for you. Other than that, we will see y'all same time, same place next week. Love you guys. God bless. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.